You're listening to episode 12 of the Week at the Runs podcast. In this episode, we'll talk to Julie Weiss, who ran 52 marathons in 52 weeks. Welcome to the Week at the Runs podcast. We're your hosts, Letty and Angela, and we invite you to join us as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make running a favorite part of your life. Hey, runners. What's going on, Angela? Not much here. What about you, Letty? Nothing much. Just here for another episode. <laughs> How was your week of running? It was great. Just doing a few runs here and there, not stressing too much. Um, trying to ramp up for Boston maybe next month. I haven't decided yet. Ooh, potentially the virtual Boston challenge. Right. It sounds pretty exciting the closer we get to it, so I eventually will have to bite the bullet and just sign up. Yeah, I think you're going to end up doing it. You'll do great. It'll be fun. You know, I'm not putting pressure on myself and just run on Sanibel when it's hot and humid. So, you know, just jogging the miles and getting that medal that That's, I wanted. Doesn't that sound funny? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing Boston, like, you know, just so relaxed, like just jogging. <laughs> that would have never happened would in have April. never. <laughs> but we're, it's just crazy times. Crazy we don't know world. what's going to happen next. <laughs> we really don't. But we do know your mile challenge is going to happen on September 5th. Yes. So I mentioned it on the bonus podcast on Monday. So I shared some of the workouts that I will be doing this next month. So I've been ramping up for that. And hopefully some of our listeners will be participating in that as well. So let us know if you are participating. You can just uh, post your workout and hashtag the One Mile PR Challenge. And then you can also hashtag our podcast so that we will know that you did the workout as well. And we can encourage and kind of motivate one another in that process. That sounds awesome. Speaking of motivating things, let's do the highlight of our listener. Okay. All right. So the highlight, highlighted listener is from Fun and Informative. And they said, lively conversation, all things running by two serious female runners, but not taking the fun out of the runs. Definitely can relate learn from their experience and their expert guests. Highly recommend it to anyone who wants to start running but too intimidated or already a serious runner. Run Forest. So that is from one of our listeners. They posted their review on um, iTunes. iTunes, yes. <laughs> so hopefully um, you guys can post some of your reviews and support us. That would be a huge help. Thank you so much. Yeah, that would be great. So let's start with the next quick segment with Brody Sharp, our physical therapist. We had a conversation that went really well with him um, a few episodes ago, and we encouraged our listeners to submit some questions to us that he can answer, and let's make that phone call and talk to him. Hi, Brody. How are you doing? I'm good, lady. Thanks for letting me back on the podcast. I'm excited to to share some some advice and some wisdom. Of course, we had a lot of enthusiasm after people heard you last time. So let me see. We have a few questions for you from some of our listeners. And the next one that I have for you comes from Angela Sanders-Jones. Angela says, I broke my foot. It's an avulsion fracture of my navicular bone 
on April 23rd. I came out of my boot in June, on June 6th. Ortho said the fracture is completely healed, but I'm still getting pain towards the top of my foot when I walk or run and when I rotate it inwards or outwards. It's not excruciating pain, but definitely painful. And if I'm on my foot for an extended period of time, I limp. I was not giving any physical therapy. Do you have any suggestions of what I should do? I feel like I should be pain-free by now. Okay. Um, sorry that's happened to you, Angela. Um, it's always tough having a foot fracture, especially if you're a runner. Um, so a couple of things. My first thing is when someone's put into a boot, usually with if they have a fracture, um, they're usually in it for you know four to six weeks. And it seems like with that time frame, she would have been in the boot maybe five or six weeks. Not only that is essentially trying to like encase the area so it doesn't move so that the fracture site can heal. That's, um, that's good management in most cases. But what also happens is when you are encased in a boot is a lot of things get very weak and get um, very stiff, very sore. And there's a lot of degeneration atrophy is what we call it. It's like the muscles get smaller because they're not being used. And it is extremely surprising how quick the muscles can atrophy uh, if even if it's just one week or two weeks of not using it at all, um, they waste away very quickly. And so that's where physical therapy comes in and where it's so important with this sort of rehab. And it seems like her ortho or her medical team have not really suggested physical therapy. Um, if she's still presenting with pain and within the question, I think it said that the ortho said it's all healed. So I'm assuming they've maybe done a re-X-ray or a CT scan of sorts and they've shown that the bone has healed. Um, that's fine, but the scans won't show any like atrophy or degeneration of any of the tendons or muscles. And if there's ongoing symptoms because of the um, being encased in the boot, my initial inkling would be that there's actually a lot of weakness around the foot and there's... Um, rehab that needs to be done some strength work that needs to be done especially if she's saying if she's spending more time on her feet walking around and then it develops into a limp usually that's because the structures around the foot or the bones or the ligaments are not strong enough to tolerate walking around for extended periods of time so my advice would be definitely to seek a physical therapist and uh, have a, a routine like assessment to see where there's any deficits in muscle strength and start addressing that Great. And uh, from your experience, what type of exercises would that include? It would, if we would have a look at her calf, like usually when you're in a boot, you're not, um, you're not using your calf muscles too much because it's just too rigid and you're not pushing off like you, you normally would. So the calf, the size of the calf actually gets smaller. You can see it from right to left. And uh, if that is the case with Angela, my suggestions would be definitely to start some calf exercises and maybe do some exercises to work the shin. But because it's a foot fracture as well, in my experience, it's it usually starts with um, some foot intrinsic muscles and trying to build up the strength of the intrinsic muscles. So um, some exercises I tend to go for are like toe scrunching. So you've got a towel on the ground and you're trying to pick up the towel with your toes and then drop it onto the ground pick it up, drop it, pick it up, drop it, and just do that over an extended period of time. Uh, and the other fun one, which most people like to try, is what I call toe yoga. And if you were to place your foot on the ground and try and just raise your big toe while keeping all the other toes down on the ground 
and then do the opposite. So you put that big toe back down and all the other four remaining toes go up into the air, keeping the big toe on the ground and just cycle back and forth between that, um, that action. Uh, that can be enough to stimulate enough um, of the foot intrinsic muscles to establish some strength. And that's a real baseline um, foundation exercise. And then we'd progress from there. Thank you so much, Brody. And um, if she wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that if they wanted to get some more advice from you? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on Instagram. People reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook usually. Um, so my Instagram handle is at brody.sharp. And you could probably find me on my Facebook group, Run Smarter. The Run Smarter podcast is the Facebook group. And my website is breakthroughrunning.physio. So if they wanted to um, reach me on any of those mediums, I'm more than happy to answer any more questions. Great. Thank you so much, Brody. You're welcome, lady. Thanks so much, Brody, for answering our questions. If any of our listeners do would like to submit a question of a running-related injury that they have, please send us a message and we will definitely ask him for you. Wonderful. All right, Angela, so what are we going to talk about today? So today is going to be an awesome interview from a woman who ran 52 marathons in 52 weeks. So she did this to raise money and awareness for pancreatic cancer, which is one of the most underfunded cancers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so 52 marathons in 52 weeks, that's a great challenge, wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I mean, not something that I could do, but <laughs> or I, would, I don't want to say couldn't do, because you never know. You could do it, but yeah. it would require a lot of changing in schedules and, and your lifestyle, right? Definitely. I mean, doing that and working a full-time job and... And COVID? Yeah, and COVID. Yeah, right? <laughs> How could we do that now? Yeah, that, that would not happen right now. I'm glad Julie was able to do that in a year where they didn't have COVID. Because can you imagine if you're at mile, I mean, at marathon 30 and then it gets canceled? Yeah. No, Anyhow. Can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get back to Julie. Yes. So we picked Julie Weiss because she wrote her book and I absolutely loved it. It was my favorite running book. Yeah, which is really cool. So her, what, a little bit about her book is that she wrote a memoir about how she ran these 52 marathons in 52 weeks. This was done in 2013. And during this process, she raised nearly $700,000 in the fight against pancreatic cancer. She was recognized on CNN, the Today Show, Los Angeles Times, O Magazine, and several others. She is one of the seven featured runners that were in the documentary, The Spirit of the Marathon 2. So to this day, Julie has run a total of 109 marathons. That's amazing. And she continues to spread awareness about pancreatic cancer in addition to continuing to raise funds. She's also an ambassador for the LA Marathon, and her website is marathongoddess.com. Without any further adieus, let's listen to her interview. So I'm here with Julie Weiss. Julie, thank you so much for coming on our podcast to share your story with us and spreading hope. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's an honor. 
It's an honor for us. So without revealing too much about your book, can you tell us briefly when and why you began running in 2008 and how you decided to run 52 marathons in 52 weeks? Absolutely. So in 2008, I was actually, 2007, 2008, I was, I was stuck in my life. I was overweight. I was I'm a single mother of two uh, kids, teenagers, and I was just sort of going through the motions of my daily life and really, really depressed and probably about 35, 40 pounds overweight, eating junk food every day. Um, so that's then I started running, and that's really what got me to running. And uh, the 52 marathons, I, I actually, there was one person on my Facebook that I saw did it. And I was like, whoa, that is incredible. And I realized that I had done 12 marathons one year and I thought that was a lot, but I knew that my body recovered fairly quickly. And so I was like, when my dad passed from pancreatic cancer, I was like, I have to do something big, something to get people's attention, raise awareness, raise a ton of money to help cure this disease. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I think I can do it. I know I can do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do 52 marathons in 52 weeks. So then you planned to run the 52 marathons and then you had to figure out how to do it, right? So I know your fiance at the time or boyfriend at the time is David Levine, who's a running coach that's pretty well known in the running community. And you probably knew he was going to come up with a plan for you. But did you have any doubts about being able to run this many marathons and not getting injured? What was your approach to training and managing the stress of these marathons? That's a really good question. Yes, David helped me a lot. He He's a, a level two certified track and field coach and also a triathlon coach. And he he's very knowledgeable. And I, I, you know, he helped me qualify for Boston. And I knew um, he could help me do this. And his approach was, you're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to run about an hour slower than what you're capable of running otherwise you're going to be injured and it's going to be over and uh, mm -hmm. it was very difficult at first first <laughs> couple marathons to run that slow you know for me uh, and probably um you know but but very smart because he was right I, I did not get injured I had a few aches and pains along the way um you know a lot of uh protein was important for uh you know, to rebuild the muscle tissue and a lot of stretching and really uh, no running during the week. It was just these long runs on the weekends. <laughs> so basically all you did was you ran marathon after marathon for 52 weeks straight. There was no, absolutely no running or walking at all. I, I walked my dog uh -huh. a lot. Uh, sometimes I ran for an interview or something they were or when they were filming spirit of the marathon they're like okay we need you to run back and forth a million times and i'm like did you know i just ran a marathon yesterday okay <laughs> <laughs> but mostly it was about it was about recovery it was a, like a year of taper almost you know always getting the most important thing was to get to the next starting line healthy and soon it was not uh, about the time anymore i actually took my watch off Oh, nice. And that's the beauty of it. Right. I mean, that's what I kind of figured. You know, you do all the training and all the running. And eventually, if you do that many races, who cares about what time you complete a marathon? And, the, you know, your whole goal was to finish all of them. Exactly. 
And it wasn't always just one marathon a week. I did uh, the Lake Tahoe triple, which was three marathons in three days and a couple of doubles along the way because, you know, life happens. <laughs> so you have, right. you have to adjust. It doesn't go always go according to plan. And uh, we, we made it work. Yeah. I mean, I figured with logistics too, because you have to find the marathons and then plan them, make them work with your work schedule. You were mentioning earlier that you used um, a website called, is it Marathon Guide, you said? Yeah, marathonguide.com. I think they're, they're still up and running, except there's no marathons right now, sadly. <laughs> right. Everything will say canceled. So then you picked the marathons all in one evening. And kind of how did you root that out? I'm picturing you sitting down with a map and then drawing little lines from one spot to the other. I was so inspired. I was just like, that's my personality. I just was like, oh, my God, I want to do that one. I want to do that one. I want to do all of the ones in Hawaii. <laughs> you know, um, I picked, uh, no, not, I was going to say I picked all the downhill marathons, but there really wasn't any back then. Revel wasn't a thing back then. Revel wasn't a thing I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. But uh, some weekends there, you know, I, I mean, I was looking at the reviews of the different marathons and I, I did pick a lot of the local ones because obviously we want to keep the budget down and the cost. So I, I did, I think about, I don't know, 20 or two or some, 22 states possibly. I got to look at something like that. But uh, the rest were in California. Oh, that's nice. And then you had one international one, which was in Rome. That's right. That's right. And one in uh, Canada. Okay. So for all that, you had to have, obviously, I read your book and you had to have a, an employer that was nice enough to let you take off mostly Fridays. But then you also had to, you know, like you said, you did three in a row when you had other things happen in your life. And um, how did you financially manage all this? Well, I, I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. Honestly, I was going to move out of my apartment and move back in with my mom if I had to. I was so mm -hmm. determined. But, uh, you know, what we ended up doing was, you know, bring, bringing in a lot of money to cover the travel up front so that the charity wouldn't have to do that. You know, so we, we brought in the money to cover it, uh, some of the travel, but also... Uh, the charity helped as well. So it was kind of a joint effort because we ended up raising above and like, you know, triple the amount that we spent on, on travel. Right. Yeah. So it was a win-win. It was a win-win for everybody. Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. So then you started with the furthest one away with the Rome marathon, as you mentioned, and we saw that in spirit of the marathon too, which we'll link in our show notes. And, um, I don't think they did you justice with your character. They did a great job of um, showing you a fun side, but when I read your book, there's so much depth to you and so much to learn from your journey. Um, but how did you feel when you started? Were you nervous, scared, excited? Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Like, when, like I said, when I started, I was a completely different person. I was, I was very excited. I didn't know um, what I was going what I was getting myself into. But I did have this belief that I was going to finish it no matter what. <laughs> no matter what, I was going to finish it. And I, I did. <laughs> I mean, because believing is like a huge part of everything. If you believe you can do it, what do they say? You're halfway there 
I think you're more than halfway because your mind is so strong and my mind was so strong and so determined that I was going to do this. And as we went on, you know, the momentum started and, you know, it didn't really get gain steam until probably halfway. But um, in the beginning, it was, I was a different person. And the, so the, the spirit of the marathon sort of captured that person. They didn't capture really uh, what happened, the darker moments, and then the people that I met and the wonderful highlights of the uh, beautiful people that I ran for. And some of them actually ran with me, uh, you know, at the finish line. And so maybe we have another movie in the works. <laughs> that would be awesome. No, I mean, I like that movie too, but you know, it's just like you said, there's, there's a fun side and you know, it's TV. They want to show you maybe as a fun person. And then they had the other person who had a really tough journey and, you know, but like you said, you, in your book, you explain all the aspects that go with that. And it's beautiful to see that you have that fun side that, you know, is very capturing that, you know, makes us want to read the movie and read on. And hopefully, like you said, there will be a movie about this. Yeah. I, I have to say the spirit of the marathon did an amazing job. I am so, so honored to be a part of that movie. I think that it didn't really get its fair share because it, it's beautifully done. I mean, they did a really good job. So I, 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 I love what they did. Sometimes um, people tell me their, their favorite part of the movie was when the little the Italian guy at the um, end of the marathon told me to be quiet and stop talking. <laughs> That was a funny part. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, I had no idea what he was saying. He gave me a kiss at the end. It was very, very Italian. It was very cool. It was all good. Oh, nice. It was all good. Another marathon lined up right afterwards, or did you have a little bit of downtime with jet lag and all that? Well, Rome became, um, wasn't really sure that was going to be the first one, uh, because I had Boston like three weeks later. Um, so it was kind of like I left a little room on like, you know, because I didn't know how it was going to go. First, I was going to make Boston the first one, and then we had Spirit of the Marathon come up. So I was like, oh, that would be better. Let's make Spirit of the Marathon the first one. So I did have a few weeks in between Rome and Boston, but then I had to do some catch up because, you know, things happened along the way and I had to make things work and like, lo and behold, we, we did, <laughs> we did. So after that, it was like week after week after week and going back to work <laughs> and trying to manage the kids and the job without getting fired and all of that. And I came very close to getting fired. You know, I'm, I'm going to, Say if anybody is thinking of doing 52 marathons in 52 weeks, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not with a full-time job. No. Sure. Yeah, exactly. If you if you've got time on your hands and a lot of money, go for it. But, right. But uh, yeah, it's it's it was it was grueling. It really got hard with the full-time job, and it's a miracle that I was able to keep it and raise as much money as I did. My employer was very very generous and. Uh, kind and we we ended up I mean as of February we'll probably be over seven hundred thousand dollars raised for pancreatic cancer and um, very grateful for every single dollar that we've raised because it means so much that's amazing wow so your employer was generous with time for you you know as you mentioned but then a typical weekend for you Would that be you would take off Friday, travel to wherever you would have to go and then scram and come back? Exactly. Exactly. I really didn't end up missing that much work. It was 
you know, you finish the marathon on, you know, you, you get on a plane Friday or Saturday, you run the marathon usually on a Sunday, and then you got to get back home, get back to the airport, whatever it is. Sometimes I didn't even have time for a shower, which was not good for the people on the plane with me. <laughs> <laughs> which of the marathons were your favorites and why did you love them so much? I, I have to say first, just because I'm biased to the LA marathon, because it was my first one ever, mm -hmm. ever. It was my last one of 52 marathons. And, you know, I have a lot of things that happened on that marathon course, got engaged again, <laughs> got my hundredth and, you know, all those things. Uh, but that's a really, really fun marathon. And uh, so, but other than that, I have to say the um, Marine Corps, definitely um, very inspirational marathon. If you haven't done it, I would suggest you do the Marine Corps marathon in Washington. You know, you got the Marines there and they're yelling at you and they're giving you jelly, magic jelly beans. And it's beautiful. And you're running through Washington, D.C. and the, the National Mall there. It's it's very, very inspirational on the Blue Mile. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. I've heard of the Blue Mile. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. Uh, let's see. Rome was obviously beautiful. Um, if you've seen the movie, you know, or if you've run it, it's, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I would suggest watching the spirit of the marathon too, because it really highlights all the beauty of the marathon, the people, the, um, the, just this amazing, you know, place with all of this history, which is incredible, you know, running the Vatican, you know, it's just incredible. Oh, uh, I'm sure the views are amazing. Yeah. Um, God, there was so many other good ones. Um, I love the the Kona Marathon. Well, any marathon in Kauai or Hawaii, Kona, any marathon in Hawaii is going to be good because no matter how bad your run was, Bart Yasso, my friend, always says, when you finish, you're in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Although I don't think you had that much time, right? No, I like have an extra day sometimes here and there. I'd have like an extra day, but sometimes I did not. I would just like jump in the ocean and then get on a plane and go home. Oh my gosh. Sadly, <laughs> but um, there were some other good ones like light at the end of the tunnel. You know, a lot of people do that. It's a great um, Boston qualifier. I believe that's just outside of Seattle. Um, you get to run through a really cool tunnel. I uh, There's so many... Uh, I'm looking at my medals right now. <laughs> just, just, it was um, really insane. I did a full moon extraterrestrial marathon. The one that starts at midnight right outside of Las Vegas is right run in area 51 where there's like, they say there's aliens starts, oh, at, nice. <laughs> starts at midnight. So you start running and I am not a night person. So I got till about mile 18 and it was about, I don't know, three, four in the morning and I saw lights and I'm like, this is it. The aliens have come. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, it was David. Oh no. <laughs> so awesome. He saved me, but uh, that's it. They did a really good job putting that marathon on. I'm just not a night person. So what else? I did the Leadville, Leadville marathon, not the hundred miles but Leadville uh, Marathon which starts at 10,000 feet I believe and goes up to like 12 or 13,000 feet that was one weekend that I couldn't find like a normal marathon <laughs> the only marathon that I could get to that weekend and uh, 
you know, it wasn't too bad. I made the cutoff. I finished it. That's the one where I didn't have time to shower and get back on the plane because <laughs> it took so long. But oh, no. <laughs> but I finished it without any altitude sickness. So I wouldn't recommend that. I would always say go get yourself acclimated to altitude if you're going to do a marathon like that. But I guess, like I said, I had the angels with me. Do you have any man- mantras that you say to yourself or how do you keep your mind set positive while you run all these miles? Um, that's a really good question. I, as you know, I'm always telling people, you got this, we got this. It's the name of my children's book. We got this. You know, I want to, I want to let everyone know that, you know, you really can do anything you set your mind to. But uh, I think for me, what really pulled me through or, It's not really a mantra, but it was about, again, about the people that I was running for. So when the miles got really hard or I didn't, you know, things were going on in my life, I got up because I was thinking about this person that I was running for. So you basically connected with family members and um, cancer fighters, and then you agreed with them that you would dedicate a certain marathon to them? Exactly, exactly. So there was no way that I was going to quit. There was no way that I was going to not show up because I was tired or whatever, because I had, I had these people counting on me. I wanted to run for them and they were, you know, it, it was just like, and, and some of the people, you know, or their families, but you know, for the ones that have passed on, it was kind of like, I felt their spirit out there in the sun when I'm running and I feel that spirit helping me, pushing me through. Right. Yeah. Running. And I still do that. I did that. I did the uh, 52 races for 52 faces recently, uh, which was uh, not 52 marathons, but it was 52 races, all different uh, distances. We have to, we have to stay on people's radar and let people know we're not going anywhere because this cancer is, um, it's lethal. I mean, it was really bad when I started running. Um, I think it was about a 5% survival rate. It's up to 10% survival rate at this point. I mean, we're getting oh, wow. better. We're getting better. It's still terrible. But um, that's what keeps me going. Amazingly enough, my body got stronger and stronger and stronger as we went on because I was taking it slow and uh, it's really amazing what your body can do. I, I am, and, um, or what your body can build up to. And unfortunately even quicker lose it. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, I mean, some of those marathons, I, I really was like, you know, I get to mile 18 and I'm passing everyone. And I'm handing out mineral pills. I'm like, here you go. Like people thought I was like a drug addict, but no, you know, little <laughs> salt tabs. Um, because I've got all the energy at mile 18 and people are like, screw her. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I've been on both sides of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So, so really and truly your body is an amazing machine and uh, we would do well to keep it healthy and strong. Yeah. And so then you finished strong, you're 52. And then, and then what happened? Was it difficult to go back to regular life of not having a marathon every week? I mean, I'm sure you were relieved, but then at the same time, you know, after you had a whole week of recovery, were you kind of craving the adventure? Absolutely. It was a really 
really dark time for me uh, because I have this personality that is very extreme. It's like all or nothing, but it's not just that. It's the, it's this dopamine rush that you're getting every week. You're getting donations. You've got another marathon to look forward. You're getting forward to, you've got medals. You've got all of this awareness you're spreading and all of a sudden it stops. Took me about a year till I could actually start training again, like really training to get fast and, you know, get my mind in the right place again. And that, you know, actually that's expected. You know, it's something when you do something that big, you know, obviously you're going to have some kind of a letdown afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I see how that happens after just one marathon. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine after 52 and, you know, the publicity fundraising. Yeah. And- doing all of that it's actually a thing you might have heard of post-marathon depression people get that it's a real pmd it's not pms but pmd it's a it's a it's a thing you know you're looking forward to this marathon you do it it was amazing and then it's over and so you need to pick a new goal that's really what it's about you have to pick something else now okay you've done that now what do you do but you know imagine having that post-marathon depression after doing 52 52, right yeah yeah (laughs) So then for you, you broadened your, 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 what you can do a little bit and you wrote a book and, um, you wrote actually two books. You also wrote a children's book, which we're also going to link, but, um, what other future projects or current projects do you have in the making or what other adventures do you have planned? You mentioned something that you just completed 52 races for 52 faces. I did. Yeah. And that's how we got up to nearly $700,000. I ran for the Hirschberg foundation for pancreatic cancer. Uh, They're a local charity here in LA, but they do uh, research all over the world. And um, so I I finished that in March, which was like the last marathon on the planet. And so, you know, now what do you do? You, (laughs) it's not easy at the moment. I don't have any, have any crazy adventures lined up. I don't know. I mean, I still would love to qualify for Boston again. I've been trying to do that ever since I, finished the 52 marathons and for some reason I'm just I don't know (laughs) I don't know I got close a couple times but um I would still love to do that maybe at uh next year's LA marathon who knows nice yeah Uh, we'll see uh now that I'm not running all those marathons and races maybe I can actually train but I do have you know this goal of getting to the million dollar amount of what I initially set out to raise back in um that I announced in 2012 in the movie it wasn't as easy as I thought but you know if there's a will there's a way I'd like I'd love to get to that one million dollar goal but I I also have two little granddaughters which are are my life (laughs) so what what what's really important to me as well is you know inspiring the younger generation to do anything they want to, to be anything, to dream, to go forward and, you know, reach, reach for the moon. (laughs) So I just try to inspire them, be a good grandma now. And, um, you know, I'd love to get them in races, but there are none at the moment or just doing whatever they love and not having to go through, um, just a hard childhood that I had, you know, if I could just be there their role model and not just for them, but for all the children. And that's why I I wrote the children's book. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I have absolutely no doubt that you 
you know, you inspired them. I have no doubt that you'll raise the million dollars that you set out to do. And, um, you know, if you're looking for any more projects, you're an amazing writer. You could always write 52 books. Uh, oh, ouch. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> or it could be 52 pages. But thank you for that compliment. <laughs> Julie, thank you so much. Um, one last question. Uh-huh. You know, obviously, over the years, you've made friends with a lot of people suffering from the horrible disease of cancer and their family members. What's a message that can help them get hope that you have for them? Them that you know can help them deal with the disease and keep in a positive headspace well I, I that's that's just it it's it's staying positive a lot of people say you know what what do I tell them you know what do I you know somebody's been diagnosed what do I say and I, you know I I say to them that you need to stay positive your will is so important uh, having a strong will stay positive it's not always gonna be positive you know, you're going to have dark days, but as long as you can keep the faith and keep replacing any negativity, any negative thoughts with something positive, um, that changes not only your, you know, the way you feel, but it changes your body chemistry and it allows for more healing to come in when you're open like that, you know? So, so whatever you can do to, change your mindset to get into that positive mindset, whatever it is, meditation and, you know, calling on your, your friends and your, your higher power, meditation, whatever it is, you need to do more of that. That's going to keep your, keep your head up so that you can keep going and that you can face whatever it is that you're facing. It's kind of like a marathon, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, when you hit the wall or you're in those hard miles, you know, it gets dark. Obviously, it's not cancer, but the marathon sort of translates into life where you keep going. So I, I, I say to I say to um, anyone out there who is struggling, if there's a will, there's a well, there, if there's a will, there's a way. So stay positive. Find that way. Keep going. Do whatever it takes. And you got this. <laughs> That's a good way. Yeah. Thank you, Julie, so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you coming you. on our show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm just going to do my little plug. I'm, I'm an ambassador for the LA Marathon, March 21st. I hope uh, that this virus will be over by then. And we can all um, come join and run the marathon together. I've got my little discount code, Julie. 2021 save you uh, 10% off. And if you want to run with the Hirschberg foundation for pancreatic cancer, they have a, a training team as well that you can run with and raise money and, uh, you know, help us beat pancreatic cancer. Perfect. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Stay you safe too. out there. We'll do. Keep running. Okay. Thanks for having me. Take care. Of course. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. That was a great interview from Julie. Thanks so much for doing that, Letty. That was really inspiring, and I enjoyed listening to the different challenges that she did. I, I'm kind of motivated. I think I want to do something really cool, but 
I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> we'll do something big once uh, racing comes back. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, listeners. So if you could, please leave us that review. Make sure to check out our social media pages. And you can keep in touch with me in terms of my mile challenge. That would be awesome. Sounds great. All right. So we have some fun running jokes that we want to share with you to end our podcast. They're not that funny, but maybe you'll find them funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will. All right. So question. How do crazy runners go through the forest? Very fast. They take the psychopath. They take the psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How do you know when you've married a running enthusiast? Are you going to try and answer? Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When you have more running clothes than regular clothes in your laundry pile. Okay. That's like my life. <laughs> that is my life too. Why is that funny? <laughs> Why is that funny? That's like our real life. Okay. Anyway. Um, next one. All right. So what do you, what do you get when you run behind a car? <laughs> you can get that one. Fumes. <laughs> Exhausted. Exhausted. <laughs> what do you do when a blonde throws a pin at you? Jump. Run. She's got a hand grenade in her mouth. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it, but I was just reading it off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got one more. Dun, dun, dun. Why can't you take a nap during a race? No idea. <laughs> because, Letty, if you snooze, you lose. Oh, my goodness. And on that note, we end our podcast. <laughs> we hope you have a great weekend and enjoy your runs. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode. As always, we hope that we were able to provide you with something of value. Make sure you like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Our account you can find under WGTR Podcast. Thanks. Until next time, have a great week of running.